Hello, and welcome to Breakfast for Dinner with Sarah the Human. I'm Sarah the Human, and this is the Inner Knowing episode. I'm only releasing one episode this week just because I had a more eventful week than usual. My friend Trent came into town, and we went to a Dodgers game, and this incredible restaurant called Pizzana. I might actually start doing one episode per week because two might be a little bit ambitious. I'm really excited because next week I'm going to release my first ever solo cast. I'm not sure if I've said this on the podcast or not, but last year on August 3rd, I released a book I wrote called Borderline Brainwashed. And so for my solo cast, since we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the book launch, I wanted to talk about my writing process, what the book is about, and a lot about the aftermath of the book release. This was my first time creating any sort of creation, and I had no idea what to expect. I had a lot of expectations, and a lot of them were met, and some were not met, and it's all part of the journey. So I wanted to share a little bit about that during the solo cast next week. Definitely check it out. This episode, Inner Knowing, is with Tina Olson. I really cannot sing her praises enough. If you checked out the Magic Mushrooms episode with Trace Bell, Tina is actually Trace Bell's partner. They have a beautiful dog named Nalu. I love them so much. They're just those friends that you meet, and even though you may not have known each other for very long, it feels like you've known them forever. I love having guests on who either live their life in an unconventional way or think about a topic in an unpopular way, and I thought Tina would be an incredible guest because I think a lot of times the world is driven by the mind and thinking. But sometimes there are decisions that we have to make that just don't make logical or rational sense. But we know that they're true. We know that it's the direction that we need to go, whether it's quitting a job, whatever it may be. And that's exactly what Tina and I talk about. How do we trust our intuition? How do we decipher when it's our intuition or an external voice somewhere? And then we also discuss how we need both rationality, data, research, and our inner knowing and wisdom that comes from within. Y'all are going to love Tina. I'm going to link her website. Now, please enjoy Tina Olson. Welcome to Breakfast for Dinner, Tina. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. And every time you say that, I mean, I just think it's the most brilliant podcast name and you just make me hungry in the best way every single time I say it or read it. Me too. I know. I actually am being selective about having breakfast for dinner nowadays because I don't want to get tired of it. But every time I do an episode, I'm like, oh, I want waffles for dinner. It's a smart move. It's like your favorite song. It's like you have to know the proper dosage. Exactly. I got to cut myself off. Um, I stole this from your website, but you are an awakening guide, intuitive healer, and then my personal favorite, a beacon of unconditional love. Wow. I mean, I know that from just experiencing you. Oh, I love that you describe yourself that way. It's an inspiration already. Thank you. Yeah. It, um, that actually came to me. So I didn't grow up religious, 
but I was reading a book by Megan Watterson called Reveal. And she was talking about the black Madonnas in Europe. And I had kind of vaguely known because my grandparents had been Catholic and then left the church like during the hippie movement. And so I was like, I don't even know exactly what this thing is, but she talked about a particular church in Switzerland. And I just had that soul knowing that I had to make a journey there. And so I did. And I sat in front of this black Madonna. I mean, first of all, the outfit that they had, like this handmade, it was gorgeous. And apparently they changed the outfits. Anyway, that was a whole thing in and of itself. But I sat there and I meditated and I literally didn't know what to do. I'm like, okay, I've come all this way. <laughs> Here I am. And after, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, I got up and started walking around the cathedral and I felt the presence of Mother Mary and Jesus, which again are like, that's a very not normal occurrence for me. Like I, I really don't have a lot of an understanding of any of it really. And I heard them say, you are here to be a beacon of unconditional love. Like they were delivering me my purpose. And before we jumped on the podcast, you had just been saying that when you received your book title, Borderline Brainwash, it like really brought up a lot of emotions, right? That's the same feeling I had. Like, how quickly can I get into the fetal position and cry? Because like, how the hell am I going to get from who I am right now to being able to like own and claim this purpose? Mm. And what I've realized over time, this was in... I think it was in 2017. Um, what I've realized is like, it's always gonna, I'm human, it's always gonna be aspirational. And whether or not people judge owning something like that, that's on them. And if every human had something like an aspirational purpose, no matter how it came to them, right? In a dream, in a nature walk, that made them want to cry in the fetal position because it felt so true and so large and so impossible all at the same time. What kind of a world would we be living in? It would be so much better, so much higher vibration. Uh, we were just talking about the fact that there's continuing violence in so many different forms and that stuff just like, it's not even possible to consider running that kind of thing through your system when you know that you have a really strong reason to be here. Mm, absolutely. I just thought of so many things when you're talking, <laughs> even though saying I am a beacon of unconditional love is in a way aspirational and also truth. You're having that be like your identifier and descriptor. Whereas someone who could say like a negative descriptor, it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy on accident. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important to choose how we talk to ourselves and about other people mm -hmm. because for better or for worse, it can actually come true. And then the other thing I wanted to pull out from that was that you had a deep knowing to go there and I relate deep knowing or I equate deep knowing to intuition. Would you do that as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think intuition is used in so many different ways that it's actually a really great word to unpack because first of all, we're not in general, we're not taught to trust our intuition. 
We're taught to build logic and rationality as, as greatest goods. We're taught to build a really big left brain or if we go to schools that are oriented towards religion or something else, we're taught to, to build a big aspect of whatever that thing is. But it's not until it seems people hit some later stage of life and life isn't working for them. And like the, I call it the ego, but I really am talking about just like the whole personality, like the way I move through the world until the way the ego was constructed doesn't work for us anymore. We don't tend to go back to bare bones and be like, okay, who really am I? And how do I know where I'm supposed to be going? And I feel like the heart of all of that is intuition. And sometimes I think intuition can get conflated with like um, our like spidey sense or like a gut feeling that something's not quite right. And I'm, I wouldn't say that that's not intuition. It's, it's probably a form, but I think if we have that as like a one-to-one -one definition with intuition, we're missing this whole other element of like, to me, basically intuition is knowing things that I don't have any like logical rationale or like specific way of pointing to somebody else as to how I know that. I just know it to be true. And so it, it again, it could be like, oh, I just have a creepy vibe that my car is going to get broken into here. I'm not going to park here. Okay. That could be a form of it. And also I think it's really important to expand into like, what about the wisdom that comes through you? What about the messages that you might get? I remember long before I started actually like actively practicing honing my intuition, I would have things happen like thinking of somebody and the phone rings or the text comes through, right? Like something's going on there. <laughs> That's not just an accident. So it's really, really interesting. I think intuition, I guess the bottom line on all of this is, as I say, intuition takes many, many forms, but it kind of, to me, is like this overarching description of the fact that we can know things and feel things and, and have truth in things that aren't necessarily rational or logical or predictable or reliably able to be pointed to in the physical world and say, that's a tree. Do you have an example in your life that you followed your intuition and there was mm. no logical, rational explanation, but you now looking back as a result of following are so glad you did? Yeah. I mean, probably enough to fill like 20 hours of this podcast, <laughs> but the good news is I can't remember most of them. The one that jumps out is um, I had been following the teachings of Rob Bell for a number of years and had attended his events occasionally. And then uh, this was the fall of 2020. So the first like fall time of COVID. And I was gonna drive back from Chicago to California to be with my mom for the first time during COVID. But I was driving to try to be uber safe. This was pre-vaccines, all that. And as I was making the drive across the country, I felt an intuition that it was time to go have a coaching session with Rob Bell. And I remember thinking like, it's almost like it becomes a two-way conversation. I remember thinking, I don't, I don't have anything right now to be coached on. And then another thought pops in, which is like, so I'm trained as a professional coach. I'm like, well, but I believe in coaching. There's always something you can be coached on. <laughs> and so there was like this whole multi-party conversation going on in my head, but definitely sparked by this intuitive hit of it's time to go have a session with Rob Bell. And so I did. And that session led to having a podcast with him. And that podcast with him led to me asking 
his son Trace to be on my podcast for him to pass the message along. And lo and behold, a few days later, Trace and I are texting. And a month after that, we're in a relationship that feels completely divinely orchestrated. And so like that one little thing, now granted, I think spirit's pretty creative. So if I hadn't gotten the memo on the coaching session, spirit probably would have figured out something else to <laughs> some other way to connect us. But um, it really, it's incredible that it's almost like your human self can look back at how important an intuitive hit like that is and actually even get scared like, oh my gosh, what if I hadn't listened, right? But it's like, we also have to take that lightly because A, I did and B, I do think spirit is ultimately really generous with us. They, there's a knowing of how hard it is to be a human, how hard it is to be in this world we know that when we take a body, we're inherently taking all these limitations compared to when our essence is non-physical and when we're out of a body. And so I do think spirit's really generous with like trying to give us winks and nods to, to move us in the right direction. But it does, life does get a lot more fun when you're willing to follow those intuitive hits. And sometimes it does deliver like really big, important life-changing <laughs> results. <laughs> I know there's so many times where I have rejected my intuition or it's just taken a long time mm -hmm. for me to follow through. I'll listen to it, know what it's saying to me, but then the action, actioning it, it's like yeah. super delayed. So how do we close that gap between mm. knowing what our intuition is saying so confidently but then mustering up the courage to actually follow through with it. Yeah, the first couple of things that come to mind, and I just want to validate that experience. Like, first of all, there's no problem. Like, there's no, there's no judgment from spirit as to quote unquote how long it takes. Because again, time is our construct. It's not capital T true. And so the first thing spirit wants to just acknowledge and validate around all of that is that it's all perfect and that a lot of times just as important as the nudge itself like hey sarah it's time to write a memoir and you're like what <laughs> um like the process to align to get to bringing that nudge into place is just as important like i like to say you know there's a lot of people in spiritual circles who talk about embracing the journey and almost make it like a like that's the polarity to hang out on. And I get it because the ego loves to hang out on the polarity of why don't I just have my Tesla yet? You know, <laughs> I don't know my journey. I just want my Tesla. Right. And, and so of course, a lot of spiritual teachings are going to try to take you to the other end of the polarity of like, no, embrace the journey. Like that's, and that's totally true. I like to say it's the both and right. Like we run a marathon for the experience of the training, for the marathon on actual marathon day and to get to the finish line. Like if a marathon actually never ended, <laughs> we would all die before we'd actually know to stop. So it's like, there's, there's such a both and of the destination and the journey. So that's just the first thing I wanna highlight. But as far as closing that gap, as far as like basically being able to run our marathon faster, I love this analogy because spirit would be like, actually stop running for a little while and get stronger. Mm. And then use that strength and apply it back to your running again, right? And so if we just keep doing the same things over and over, we don't give ourselves a chance to stop and actually get stronger. And so on a very practical level, what could that look like? 
journaling I, or catching a note in your phone. I had an intuitive hit this morning. This is what I feel like I'm supposed to do or being guided to or whatever language suits you best. And then the acknowledgement of I'm terrified or this doesn't even seem possible. Very much a practice of acknowledging the present moment and that all the things are true in that moment, that there is this intuitive hit or this nudge and that there's a whole bunch of very real human emotions and experiences along with it. So I feel like that is the very first step, acknowledging what's true in the present moment in order to then say, okay, I don't have to do anything, especially when we're, when we're any degree of terrified, anxious, um, fight, flight, or freeze. If we're any, if we're not excited by the thing, it's not time to take action on the thing itself. It's time to take care of ourselves. So you've just gotten something that your body had a very real physical response to. Okay. I can love you enough body. I'm not going to make you do anything at any speed that you're not okay with of being able to say, I get it. You're terrified. I will not pick you up and throw you into the swimming pool. If you think you're going to drown, I, I won't do that to you. Let's work on this together. When we can kind of sit with the reality of what is by, okay, this message that tells me I have to go here, that feels true. I'm going to take this really, really seriously because instead of just trying to get to the end of the marathon, but it's your journey to take. And only you know what is in between that intuitive hit and you being able to actually, actually actualize it. Wow. Yes. This is all such good reminders. I just love what you said about everything's perfect. It's all part of the process. The process is perfect because for, with your trip example, I'm sure you probably didn't leave the very next day. Right. You gotta get someone to watch your dog. You gotta buy the plane ticket, buy somewhere to stay. Like there is some time that is going to take place before you are able to actionize it. So just being patient with ourselves and trusting that there will be some delay and to mm -hmm. accept that and not mm -hmm. resist it. So uh, cool. Well, my biggest question around this is just how do we decipher with all of the voices out there whether it's from our friends and family how we were raised our conditioning trying to figure out is this coming from my mind from society and just trying to figure out what is my intuition and what is just noise such a good question. One that has so many potential answers. So I want to make them useful. Um, on my own journey, what I've found is it's definitely a process much more similar to training for a marathon than like just showing up for a beginner yoga class, doing the beginner yoga class, and then having like, okay, I understand a bit about yoga now, Check it you off. know, like, yeah, right. Exactly. And so, so the first thing I think for most, uh, at least most Americans, um, is to wash our bodies out of the emotion, the trapped emotions that we've held. So we can start seeing our subconscious beliefs more clearly. And you did that. You described that process so beautifully in your book. Um, but, but the ability to see our subconscious beliefs, understand the ways in which we've let ourselves feel some emotions, but not others. All of that to me 
feels like a huge part of the recipe, because in my experience, when something transpires, if we actually let the purity of the emotion wash through, which we like to call emotion energy in motion, because it literally is just different vibrations of energy. But if you could actually just let yourself cry or scream in a pillow or write down everything you need to say and burn it safely, uh, then we tend to end up with clarity right after. And the clarity tends to be, we know what we really need to do. And we might not know the whole path, but we at least know the next right step. Um, if we find ourselves spinning in our minds, if it's other people or conditioning or some old response is that if there's a bunch of conversation going on in the head, then the body isn't actually able to give its wisdom. And this is where the tricky point comes in of the difference between family, friends, coworkers, basically your non-professional opinions versus people who can either hold space for you and ask really great questions or like an intuitive who you trust and who does have your highest and best in mind, being able to give you some nuggets of wisdom for you to then go sit with. And of course, the very first question we should all have is that skeptical question of like, okay, so here's somebody else yet again telling you something, right? But it's the feeling in the body when someone gives you that information. And it's interesting because all this stuff there's so much religious trauma and spiritual trauma. People tend to be extra skeptical of this kind of stuff. And also on top of it, a lot of churches actively say like, oh, well, that's witchcraft or, you know, like there's, there's a lot going in the, the counter direction of this stuff. But in all these other professions, regular life, like I liken having intuitive abilities to having athletic abilities. Most able-bodied people have some degree of athletic ability. However, the degree of athletic ability they have varies very widely. And intuition is much the same. I believe we all have it. Um, I shouldn't say we all because, you know, a large majority, I think, have an intuitive connection. And that can vary just as widely. And so there's some people who are meant to be using that professionally and supporting others. But Going back to this analogy, so at one point in time, Steph Curry, who's on the Warriors and is, you know, a three-point guru, at one point in time, he was a college kid who everyone said in the NBA was going to be too small and basically not useful. And through some combination of his hard work, somebody taking a chance on him, coaching, and then experience, he became the player that he is today, right? Like, and the same thing is true with our intuition. And so having mentors, having guides, having support, doing your own practicing, journaling, um, join, join a class where your intuitive skills will be increased or read a book or just practice. And over time, we learn the art of trusting ourselves more. So we don't get to just like snap our fingers and, you, and we always know deep down, like, oh, I'm kind of going with what mom told me to do instead of like, oh, no, I really need to trust myself and be brave. Every time we choose to not trust ourselves and not be brave, then it's like, I mean, I don't want to get like overly crazy here. I don't go to the gym every day, but it's like skipping, I'll say skipping a week <laughs> of your exercise it's like or a month. Like every time we choose to just fall back on our old patterns, 
it's like not showing up for the thing again, right? So then we can't be surprised that we don't have the muscle to, and maybe, maybe you are too terrified right now and that's okay. You can give yourself compassion and forgiveness, but also have the acknowledgement that every time there's an opportunity to trust yourself, the more often you choose to actually do it, just like the more often we actually show up for our training physically, then the stronger we will get and that changes are gradual, but they do add up over time significantly. That makes so much sense. It's such a helpful comparison because I think about working out and if I don't work out for five months, I basically have to start all over. <laughs> it's just such a good reminder that discipline can come alongside and be adjacent to mm. um, strengthening our intuition and stepping into our power. There's just a lot of space for both um, magic mm -hmm. and going with the flow. And then there's also discipline and, and hard work too. Yeah. I, I love, I love this discussion because it just, I can't help but think of, we've got a three and a half month old puppy right now. I was thinking about the difference between the word discipline and punish. Like I don't believe in punishment and I'm not punishing him for things that he's doing. And I have to be disciplined about like, literally I was standing there juicing something yesterday before I knew it, he chewed through a light cord that was plugged in. Like, I'm glad the thing wasn't on, but, and I'm also glad it wasn't my Nelson lamp. It was just, my <laughs> but nevertheless, for other reasons, <laughs> um, I, there's a discipline to parenting something. And most of our intuitions until we grow them up are like an infant or toddler or young aged part of us. Most of us probably lost our intuition or our connection to our intuition somewhere in those young years, like literally. But, but when we lose our intuition at a young age, our job kind of now is to nurture it back to catch up with the rest of us. You know, the rest of our brains got trained through the rest of school and work and, and uh, how to operate in the physical world and how to take care of yourself and how to make food and keep a house and pay your taxes, like whatever the other things are that we need to live in society. And yet somewhere along the way, our intuition got quashed for some reason, most likely. And so it kind of is like raising my puppy in that I'm having to teach him things and I have to be his keeper. I have to love him so much that I remove the object out of his mouth that he thinks is his new most favorite thing, but it's really this like most disgusting rotten lemon I've ever seen that he found on the ground under the tree, you know, like, but we kind of have to do that same process with our own intuitions and be really nurturing towards it. We don't have to be overwhelmed by it. We don't have to act on any of it immediately, but we get to be like the good stewards, the wise ones to bring it along, grow it up, teach it things. And then as I would think most parents have with adult children that they have positive relationships with, or what we're hoping to have with our adult dog, you then have a relationship that pays dividends year after year after year after investing so much in, in kind of like the raising of the thing, if that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. This is actually funny. The flip side of the conversation that I had with Trace, because um, we were talking about parenting in the sense of allowing a child freedom. And mm. I love that, you know, idea of 
coming to the balance and incorporating mm-hmm. both the the freedom and also the, the structure at the same time and then doing that same thing with our intuition and interacting with it in that manner um which i think is probably just easier said than done <laughs> i just want to remind everybody listening to this that your own personal intuitive journey is much more like being walking or being on a bicycle and it's not like this scary thing that's just going to sweep you away and take you to some other city which you could do so mindfully and and that's fine too not making it wrong but like when you're riding the bike through the country roads if you really want to be able to stop at the winery taste some wine have a picnic happen upon a shop if that's what's on your agenda for the day like taking the bike is the perfect thing to do and at any moment in time when you're on a cruiser you can get off at any moment park the thing and walk and so if there's fear around this is all going to be too much too soon whatever that is like we can really really trust that when we're walking or riding a bike we have a high degree of control over the speed and so with intuition it really is just the reclaiming of oneself right this is something that um powers that be didn't want us to have because we were a threat if we can listen to ourselves if we can be tuned into ourselves and we can truly know who we are we're not very controllable and so to me yeah we there's risk behind that because there are people who want us to stay controlled it's easier to sell things it's easier to put people in jobs that they hate it's easier to convince people they need things that they don't need if um if they're in fear if they're being controlled and if they don't listen to their own intuition so on that level i would just say it's not even like believing in anything other than yourself and then go with your own instinct around how to invite more of it in at your own pace and this is the big difference between a cult leader i'm just going to use a large juxtaposition who's going to tell you you can't trust yourself you have to listen to me this is what we believe in this is what's going to happen and what we're talking about here's the exact opposite it's like i don't know exactly how you're going to walk your path there's something really powerful there around this is all you reclaiming you and you get to decide what that looks like and at what pace and whether or not you even want to do it listening to that one of the best ways to practice intuition i think is to go out for a day with no plans and just let the day take you and then just kind of see what magic unfolds and magic might be in the form of oh my gosh i had the most delicious salad a lot of times when people are starting to practice their intuition i'm like do it with something that doesn't have high stakes you're inspiring me to listen to my intuition on a much smaller level when i think mm. of intuition i'm thinking bigger life moments and so what you were saying about just going out for a day and letting your intuition lead and just not knowing what you're going to do that day and just kind of be by yourself and figure out okay this is what i'm going to do next so this is what i'm going to do next i just love that and i want to definitely practice that it sounds so much fun i love the that what you took from that was like have the smaller experiences get juiced about those have some successes start your wins that way and also like take the opportunity to look back and be like oh wow and actually i've been following my intuition quite well whether or not i would have called it that at the time doesn't really matter the label doesn't even matter it's like i i'm doing the thing already it's almost like when a kid does finally start riding a bike 
and all this, like, if they stop to go, oh my God, I'm riding. Oh my God, <laughs> dad, you let go or whatever. Then they tend to crash. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> but prior to that, they like before they know the adult's not holding on anymore, or the training wheels aren't on or whatever, however it works. Like they're just riding down the street. Right. So that just makes me want to just reflect and look back on all the times that I was following my intuition. I didn't even realize it. Exactly. I love it. That's so fun to talk to you. You too. Thank you so much again. And um, it's very refreshing to have this conversation with you and be with you. Mm, well, I love being with you so much. You ask such good questions. We'll maybe have to have you on with Trace sometime together. That would be so fun in, in the right time so that people don't get sick of us. <laughs> well, well, we'll trust our intuition to figure out when the right time is. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Sending you love.